For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you trust and rely on. With one click, you and your team can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply quickly with suggestions based on your context and goals. More than 30 million people rely on Grammarly to help them with their writing today. From important emails to send, cover letters to submit, or presentations to finalize, you'll be amazed at what you can do with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. The Louisiana Swamplands. Out here, you're either lunch or you're enjoying it. Make sure you end up on top with the all-powerful lineup of Kia SUVs, like the Telluride, Sportage, and Sorento, equipped with available all-wheel drive, higher ground clearance, and the interior capacity to bring everything you need. So you'll always remain more than a gator's length ahead. Visit your local Kia dealer today to find your next adventure in our ever-capable lineup of SUVs. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Guys, I want to welcome you to another episode of Adventures in Prophecy. I'm so excited. This is episode 11. You know, we launched these right before this global pandemic was declared. You know, God moved in power on episode one, and he has not disappointed in any of the episodes ever since. That was March 8th, and uh, that episode... Wow, it was amazing, but every episode ever since has built one on top of the other, and Jesus gets the credit and the glory. Some of these episodes go to my podcast, Adventures in the Spirit, on the Charisma Podcast Network. I've got several resources to offer you guys right now before we jump into this incredible interview that I'm so excited for. I've got the link for the Spirit Empowered Journal and also for the new Fellowship with the Holy Spirit e-course right here, but please feel free wherever you're watching this, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on YouTube or Twitch TV or any of the other profiles that are sharing this right now, please feel free to share this or even host some watch parties so that other people will be blessed. But before we jump into this next interview, take a look at this awesome resource I have available for you. The Spirit Empowered Journal offers you life-changing steps that will enhance your biblical and devotional studies. This journal will not only help you know how God spoke in the scripture, but also how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you now. This is an incredible, innovative approach to Bible study that will empower your spiritual journey, your one-on-one mentoring relationships, and your church small groups. Get your copy today. That was the Spirit Empowered Journal. I hope that during this season, you're drawing near to God and he's drawing near to you. So please feel free to pick up your copy of the Spirit Empowered Journal. The link is provided here. It's also available all over Amazon.com in your global market because it is in Europe. It is in Japan. It's everywhere in a local, your local online Amazon market. But guys, I'm so excited for today's episode. I got acquainted with this man of God and uh, he's the real deal. He is the real deal. I believe that he's uh, he's a young, emerging power evangelist who's seen millions of people preaching the gospel to millions of people. And he's been 
on the 700 Club as well. But guys, I want to introduce you to Rob Welch, my new friend, Rob Welch of For His Glory Ministries. Hey, Rob, welcome to Adventures in Prophecy. Hi, thanks, Jared. Uh, good to be here with you, brother. Hey, it's my pleasure, bro. You said you need no intro, but I want people to know you are the real deal. You are the real deal. God is using you in power, and I'm excited to have you on Adventures in Prophecy, bro. So, Rob, uh, on Adventures in Prophecy, we love to talk about what God is doing in us, through us, how God speaks to people, the role of the prophetic. Today's a different take because you've got a large-scale evangelistic ministry that hosts big events, but we'll probably talk about that here later. But I wanted to know, first and foremost, your personal story of how God got hold of your life. Well, I, I think uh, my story started probably similar to a lot of people's uh, stories. I grew up in the church, went to church every Sunday. I was in a church that really wasn't alive, but I think I believed at the age of, of six and trusted in Christ and didn't know everything about what that meant, but I think I truly believed. And uh, then I, uh, when I was older, I was uh, confirmed in the church I was in and, and really wanted to live for Christ but, you know, went through some really hard times through high school, was actually suicidal for a while and, and really, really went through a, a deep depression. And God slowly brought me out of that. And then uh, after I uh, graduated from college, I had one path for my life and and God totally uh, changed the direction of that. So it's it's been really an interesting journey. I never would have picked myself uh, for for serving the Lord and the way he's called me. I, I thought God deserved the best. And I realized I, I've got so much in my life that isn't, isn't uh, where I'd like it to be. And I thought, Lord, you deserve the best. Why do you want me? Uh, but he calls uh, some really ordinary folks and uh, grateful uh, for that. It's been a pretty pretty wild journey since then. Yeah, he calls anybody he wants. He uses broken vessels to, he puts them back together to glorify him, bro. So how did God call you into the ministry? You said that there was a point where he changed the direction of your life. So how did God call you into ministry? Well, I, I went to college uh, to get my degree in business. And, and my plan in my mind was eventually I'd own my own business. So that was the path I thought I was on. I went to to work for a company in sales and and did that for about five years. But I, I really felt that God had something more for me and left there. And at that point, I said to the Lord, Lord, if you want me to go into the ministry, I will. But you got to make it really clear because I've got bills to pay. And God didn't immediately open the door. I was single at the time and he didn't immediately open the door. But I was starting to sense that he might be calling me. Uh, to preach the gospel and didn't know what it looked like. And um, a couple uh, that were missionaries in China uh, came on their first furlough back to the States. And this was in December of 2000. And uh, the man's name is Jeff, and he goes by Wally. And Wally's talking about Romans 10, where, where it says, how will they hear unless they have a preacher? And how will somebody preach to them unless he's sent? And, and Wally's talking about the first seven known believers of a people group 
the Kham Tibetans in Western China that had come to faith in Christ and been baptized. These are college students, young women, the first known believers of a people group. And as, as Wally's sharing his heart about reaching people with the gospel, I just felt like I was looking at myself. And I, I started asking him questions, and there were probably about 20 of us at this dinner. Uh, but really, it was an appointment between Wally and me, and God just orchestrated that. And so he was sharing, and I was listening. And, and from that point forward, I really sensed God was calling me. And and over the next 10 months, God brought me to a passage of scripture where Jesus preaching on the Sermon on the Mount said, do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what the Lord did over, like I said, a 10-month period, he confronted me one by one with my four biggest idols. And in essence asked, is this your God or am I? And I had to keep saying, you are Lord. And, and it went from easiest to hardest, easiest for me to give up when I knew God was calling me or sensed he was calling me was comfort. I knew it wasn't gonna be comfortable and it hasn't been. I was certain of that. That was the easiest thing for me to give up. But then I realized that I might end up having to leave my country because initially I thought I was going to be a missionary in Africa. And so the Lord asks, is your country your God or am I? Not audibly, but really asking me the question. And I would say, well, you are, Lord. And then the Lord asked me, is your family or your friends or your church, the people you love, are they your God or am I? And it's getting closer to my heart now. And it's like, well, you are, Lord. And then finally, my, my Isaac, if you will, uh, was uh, having a wife and a family. And I thought that to serve the Lord, I, I couldn't provide for a wife and a family. And then the Lord showed me the right woman for me. I wouldn't have to give up serving him to please her. And so he brought me to surrender. I was out of excuses. I'd been wrestling for 10 months. God brought different people into my life. One of them uh, was my uncle, who wasn't even a believer yet. And at one point, when I'm telling him about going into the ministry, he said, turns to me, looks at me, he goes, if you're serious about this, why wait? There'll never be a better time. And he's a banker and like one of the most logical, rational people I know, and not overly spiritual in nature, but he knew God was speaking through him. And I thought that has to be of God because that's so contrary to how Uncle John is. He's not a risk taker. And here he's telling me, if you're serious about this, why wait? There'll never be a better time. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, maybe you're right. And so then when the Lord showed me to just give up, you know, holding on to, to providing for a wife and a family and really trusting him with that, I was totally out of excuses, and so I just I just surrendered. And it was such a joyful experience for me being filled with the Spirit and realizing this is why God's put me here on earth. And that was the fourth Thursday in October in 2001, and I've never looked back since then. I love it. That's so awesome. 
So awesome. So what role or in what ways does God speak to you? You mentioned, you know, we, we've got the scripture. The scripture is key when God speaks to us. And that's one of the main ways that he speaks to us. But in what ways was he, you know, giving you impressions or how is he leading you and speaking to you? Or how does he speak to you other than through the scripture? Well, I, I, I do think it's critical to realize what you said, you know, the scripture is God's word. And I think we have to be grounded in the word of God. And and when we, we hear something or we think we hear something, we have to look at what God's revealed word says. So I, I think that's very important, uh, listening to the voice of God. You know, what have we seen him spoken? What have we seen him speak in the scripture? And does this line up with what the word says? So uh, for me, I he just he just really put it the desire in my heart. And it was an increasing desire uh, to to the calling that he had for me. And he brought multiple people into my life that were just speaking the truth to me. And at the same time, there was this this just this inner sense from the Holy Spirit that this is what God had for me, and and so as He's bringing different people, outside voices, if you will, speaking to me uh, with regard to to the calling God has, He's also really internally directing me, and and for me it was a matter. And the calling is a matter of being stripped of holding on to self. And, and, and so, so he was stripping my idols from me. And I knew that. And I realized God kept getting closer to my heart there and really calling me to surrender. So, so that was the experience there. Uh, some, some people regularly hear from God very, very clearly. Uh, there are times where God's spoken directly into my mind and it's clear. And I know the Lord's speaking to me. Uh, but there are times where he just gently directs me in, in the way that I'm to go or or he clearly shuts a door uh, that I'm wanting to go through something like with the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit prevented him to go from one place, Spirit of Jesus. So God directed him where he wanted to go to Philippi in Macedonia. So uh, so I find a lot of times there's that course correction um, and, and that different ways. He does different ways, but he's he's clearly leading as I go. When you directly hear, it's easier. Uh, but I I just find him just taking me step by step in the way I should go. I don't know if that's helpful or not. Oh, that's very helpful. I think that people who are watching now or watching later, or even listening in later can identify with that. And, you know, um, he speaks one way. He speaks another way. I don't want to put God in a box. I'm open to however he wants to speak. I've never had him speak to me through burning bush, but maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> But bro, um, you mentioned how you got powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit in about 2001 and Jesus changed the direction of your life. Uh, can you explain to us how you started or how 
God open the doors for you to start your ministry for his glory ministries, because you've ministered to millions of people in Africa and maybe other countries. But how did God open those doors for you? How did you launch for his glory ministries? Well, after I surrendered to his call, I didn't immediately leave the business world. I was in sales seven years. And about five years in, I sensed he was calling me uh, to, to preach the gospel. And, and then I was waiting on God's timing af after that. And, and so God closed the door with where I was working. I was trying to take care of some financial things. I wanted to get, if you will, my house in order financially more before I left and God just shut the door. And then I, as soon as I realized that door was being shut, I immediately uh, went back to school and got my master's degree at Wheaton College in missions. Because at that point I thought I was going to the mission field. But while I was finishing up at Wheaton, I went to a prison in Florida and I was one of three preachers on the team. And we were preaching to, to young men, 17 to 21 years of age, uh, that we're in for various reasons. Uh, so we're pre preaching at Brevard Correctional Institute in Florida. And the first time I preached, there were 80 guys in the room. And I'm preaching at this chapel at a work camp. And I preached on John 14, where Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he says that after he's talking about preparing a place for his followers, for his disciples. And 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 so when when I actually gave the call, it was like the room came forward. There, there were 80 guys in the room, 44 of them came forward, surrendered their lives to Christ. And over the next, uh, over that three days where we were ministering at the prison, God's hand was just on me in such a strong way. I realized he had actually called me as an evangelist, as a proclamation evangelist, and not as a missionary. So at that point, I realized, hey, I'm really not going to the mission field as a traditional missionary. God's called me as an evangelist. And this was March of 2004. And from that point forward, I knew I'd be starting and leading a ministry like For His Glory. And uh, graduated, then I got asked to come out at the Billy Graham Center, Wheaton College. And I knew I was there for a season to prepare for what God had called me to and, and for a wife. I, I knew God had a wife for me and and so he brought that both those um, very important things together, uh, brought me together with my wife. And and while at, at uh, the Graham Center at Wheaton College, I started For His Glory Ministries. So uh, that was kind of how it birthed. And from 2004 on, I knew the end goal was launching disciple-making movements or church planning movements. I didn't really know how till 2012. Uh, but uh, that that seed had been planted, and I knew God was calling me to to lead a ministry uh, like the one that I'm leading. Yeah, that's awesome. I think when we'd had we had an interview before the interview, uh, I think last week or so. <laughs> uh, did you say that you've preached the gospel to four million people, or God's you've led four million people to Jesus? Well, I, I'd rather to say it was the latter, but at this point, uh, that'll that'll be soon. But we, we've shared Christ, and this is at at uh, festivals uh, in, in Africa primarily. We've also ministered in India, and have been to South America uh, a small 
outreaches in Colombia back in 2008, but but most of our ministry has been uh, to Africa, East and Central Africa, and we've seen over 840,000 recorded decisions for Christ or public decisions for Christ, and we've shared the gospel with over 4 million people in attendance. Uh, but but yeah, we've not reached the 4 million decisions for Christ, Mark, yet, but uh, that- But you're on the way. Yeah, we are. I'm believing God for a billion souls, actually. So, and that's through movements launched, not us personally, uh, directly in the ministry, being able to record it all, but- the Lord's given me faith for that. But yeah, we're we're seeing God grow uh, and bless the ministry. I've been full time now for over 15 years, uh, but it's it's really come together the last four and a half years and and we're picking up speed. So that's exciting. Oh, that is very exciting. I don't know how many Christians have really led one person to Jesus. You know, I, I don't want to, you know convict them or condemn them or anything, but I praise God for what he's doing through you, bro, your ministry. Could you share some true stories of salvations or what you're seeing take place, whether it's healing or miracles through your ministry? Uh, sure. Uh, we, we've really seen God move and, and our, our main focus really is launching disciple-making movements that will transform nations for Christ. That's really our vision statement and mission. And we do the large festivals as really a launching pad for the movements. Uh, but at the festivals, you really just see God moving incredibly. But it's easy to get lost in the numbers. But there, uh, there was, um, there, there was a. A man in this was last August when we were in Congo uh, named Thomas, who was a leader in a militia uh, near near Goma, uh, a large city in in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And and his friend had actually come to faith in Christ. I think about seven weeks before from the training, the training for trainers, the T for T training. Uh, which equips believers to launch disciple-making movements. Well, one of his friends came to Christ uh, through this T4T uh, training, and he invited Thomas to come uh, to the festival. And there was a scare with Ebola in that city at the time, so our turnout at the festival was not what we were expecting. I, I thought we'd have three times the crowd we had, and I think we would have if there wasn't this Ebola scare. So many people are just afraid for their lives. Well, Thomas ends up coming, and, and he came when I was preaching on Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, as, as many of our listeners may know, you know, he was a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. He was very rich, and he was a crook. You know, the tax collectors were not known for their integrity. And here he is in Jericho as Jesus is passing through on his way to Jerusalem to go to the cross. Well, Zacchaeus, small man, wants to see Jesus, but nobody's letting him see through the crowd. So he so he climbs up on the sycamore fig tree, and he's hanging up there waiting for Jesus to pass by. Well, as I'm illustrating this in Goma, there are these speaker towers, and as I'm preaching, you know, it just came into my mind, you know, to, to climb up the tower a little bit and and illustrate, you know, that's seeking. And so as I do that, 
And that just moved in Thomas's heart. And he realized he was just like Zacchaeus. He was a crook. People hated him. He was doing a lot of bad things. He was exploiting his people. He so resonated with Zacchaeus and identified with Zacchaeus because he knew his life. And he thought, that's me. And when I'm up there on that speaker tower, a few steps, God just moved in his heart and, and he surrendered. I hadn't given a call yet. I wasn't there. I was just in the middle of the message. But God just just drew Thomas to himself. And after uh, the festival, Thomas went to the mayor of the city who it's interesting because the governor of that province was trying to stop our festival because of the Ebola scare. And he'd gone to the mayor actually and said, with his entourage, with his cabinet, and trying to intimidate him saying, how can you have this outreach, this gospel event going when we've got Ebola in our city? And the mayor had said, uh, the men of God came to me and I gave him my word and in essence, I'm not going to take away the blessings of God from our people. I'm not stopping this. The people need this. And he really stood up uh, with great courage. The mayor did uh, against the governor and the forces that be that are trying to shut down our festival. Well, after the festival, Thomas tells the mayor about how he came to Christ. And he said, I'm not going to be a problem anymore. And this is a militia leader. And he's like, I'm not going to be a problem anymore. I've been born again. I, I belong to Jesus now. And the mayor says, I'm going to take you with me to my meetings to tell people what Christ has done in your life. And so here Thomas is, uh, is having the opportunity to share the power of the gospel to transform his heart and his life. And the mayor uh, certainly felt justified for taking a stand, saying he wasn't going to stand against God, even if the government came against him. Uh, he gave the man of God is word. He wasn't going to go back on that. And they needed that blessing. So, so that was a really powerful story. Um, and I could share another one. I shared this with you before, uh, but I think it. it's re really powerful. Uh, there's a woman named Ruth uh, in the city we just went to in Northern Congo in Kisangani. And Ruth was a prostitute and, and she was involved in that business. And she had ladies working under her. And, and she came to a training that we had at the end of the Goma Festival. We went up to Kisangani because we were going there uh, next. And we were there February this year. Well, Ruth went to the training that was for pastors and, and their wives. And, and uh, one of the pastor's wives invited Ruth to this training. Well, my partner, Mark, is teaching on the authority that we have as believers. He's not even preaching the gospel, but he's just saying the authority that we have in Christ. Didn't give any call or anything like that. But as Mark's doing that, Ruth's realizing how far she is from God and that she needed to surrender her life to Christ. So she did that uh, as she's sitting there in this, this training conference for pastors. We leave and then... Several weeks later, our team comes back to do training because we train believers to multiply and to launch disciple-making movements and, and the training for trainers, T for T. So our team, uh, Samuel and Barnabas, are there to train. Well, a week before they came, Ruth, 
who we did not know at the time was from a Muslim family and she had turned to Christ and her family was now against her because they're all Muslims and she's turned to Christ and, and they didn't want her to follow Jesus. So, so they're, they're really opposed to her and, and they're actually cursing her. She ends up dying and then they're, they're heartbroken because here uh, Ruth is dead. And and they're not sure what to do. And they realize how they cursed her. And and she's a, a wife and a mother, which we didn't know any of all this information until way after the fact. So her husband, her brother, her sister, her family, they're all mourning. She's dead. She was dead two hours. And they're weeping because Ruth is gone. In the meantime, Ruth is actually in glory. She never read any of this in Revelation, but she's seeing the streets of gold. And, and we actually have this on video. She shared her story later. That's how we came to know all the details that we were missing. And she actually saw the Lord Jesus Christ on his throne in glory. And she described that his face was so radiant she yes. couldn't see it. And it's like what you see in Revelation chapter 1 when John sees Jesus and sees his face shining brighter than the sun in full strength. He fell down at Jesus' feet as though dead. And here's John, the apostle, the one who took care of Jesus' mother after Jesus died on the cross. Here he is seeing the glory of Christ, and he's just undone. Ruth seeing the Lord Jesus sitting on his throne and glory, and all of a sudden she's taken back into her body. And so her family, who's been mourning for two hours, again, they're all Muslims, See, Ruth sit up because they're preparing to take her for burial because they bury quickly. She sits up shouting Jesus. And yes. all of her family starts shouting Jesus, and they all turn to Christ. And, and since that time, Ruth's, and this is as of a couple months ago now, she had led over 100 people to Christ. Almost all of them were Muslims. Amazing. So here's a woman who, who's been totally, radically transformed by Christ. Her husband's been transformed. Her two beautiful little children have been transformed. Her brother, Ali, who asked by a lawyer who's on our team, uh, who's on our board, Mike Osterhoff, he said, Ali, you're a committed Muslim. Why did you turn to Jesus? And, and Ali said, I couldn't deny what happened. I, in essence, I couldn't deny what God did. And, and so now Ali and, 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 and uh, Ruth's, sister and her husband, the whole family is following Jesus. And they went from being a, a home filled with strife. I can't imagine prostitution and marriage, how that works. It obviously doesn't. I could see where there'd be strife there. And there was witchcraft involved as well as Islam. I mean, it was just, it was a mess. The whole family was just filled with strife and bitterness and anger. And now they're at peace. They're loving each other. Uh, it's just amazing the transformation that Christ has brought and Ruth's leading others to Christ. She's discipling others. Uh, she's really seeing God move in power. Uh, so that's one life. And we had over 140,000 recorded decisions for Christ at our mission in Kisangani. That's, that's our biggest to date. But we really saw God move in power there. So, so that's, that's the power amazing. of the gospel. That is the power of the gospel. I love it. Love it so much. Thank you so much for sharing, bro. So your ministry for his glory, you not only have these large scale events, but I want you to let us know what T4T is because the time 
of the one person show is over the, where the conferences just zip in, zip out where they come and go. Those days are over. We need a long-term strategy. I've got a friend, Tom Ruotolo with CityQuake, who's got a long-term strategy. I've met Ying Kai personally four or five years ago. He laid hands on me. Uh, and then you, you've got T4T. Can you describe that as it makes movements, makes movements for the gospel? Well, Ying Kai actually, uh, I think Curtis Sargent trained him. But Ying Kai was um, was instrumental. He, he and Steve Smith wrote a book on T for T, a discipleship re-revolution. And, and becoming aware of this training for trainers really transformed our ministry uh, because I knew the end goal was launching movements. I knew that for eight years before I knew about training for trainers or in short, T4T which is like kind of the acronym they use or, or they used for it. But um, really what that is, is getting back to the biblical model you see in the book of Acts. Really in Acts chapter two, you've got our ministry there. You've got the Pentecost, that's the festival, the huge ingathering of tens of thousands or, or hundreds of thousands, um, you know, responding to the gospel. But then you have the rest of the Acts chapter two. They devoted themselves to apostles teaching the fellowship, the breaking of bread of prayer, and they, they gathered together, met together house to house. And, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's really the T for T model. It's equipping every believer to be a multiplying disciple maker. So it's Amen. teaching believers how to share their faith in Christ, share their story, their story of how Jesus has transformed their lives. It's teaching them and how we do it, how to lay out the gospel clearly. We do that using what's called the three circles method. I think uh, a lot of Southern Baptist uh, churches might use that and others as well, uh, but it's a very good, clear way to lay out the gospel. Uh, so we train in that. And then it's a disciple-making model and small group that equips believers to lead multiplying groups. So people start, let's say you led me and 12 others to Christ, you start discipling us. But right after you begin discipling us, we're to go out and start discipling others. So I would be in your group, you'd keep pouring into me week after week. And usually a group might be 10, 12, 15 people. These are small groups, eight people. Uh, but then I could already be leading a group when I'm only two weeks in Christ and training others to go out and do the same. And it's a, there's an intentionality in sharing your faith, making a list of people that you want to see come to faith in Christ, praying for that, asking the Holy Spirit to open doors there, and then intentionally sharing. But then when you lead them to Christ, then get them in small groups and start discipling them. And once you get to the fourth generation, so let's say you start a group, that's generation one. And let's say I'm in your group. Groups I start, generation two. Groups that, that start out of the group that I start, generation three. Once you get to the fourth generation, four generations down with these discipleship groups, you've got a movement launch because you've got enough branches going out from the tree that even though not all the groups will continue, enough will, and it keeps spreading. So it's really what you see happening in the early church. The Apostle Paul was doing that when he was training the school of Tyrannus and Ephesus. You see that going on in the New Testament times, 
and it's just getting back to the new the the new testament model that jesus set up and it's activating every believer to be a multiplying disciple making disciple maker you don't need a seminary degree you you don't need to be post doctorate you don't need to be a pastor you don't need to be a professional minister you just need to be a child of god that goes out and shares your story share that with others invite them to christ start discipling them, have them do the same. So it's really bringing everybody into the work of fulfilling the Great Commission. I don't know if I laid that out well, but that's really what it's about. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate it. It's also a military system. When I was in the military, we called it um, training for trainers, you know, and it it works, but it's, it's simple, biblical, and it's needed, especially now, because we need to see movements we need to see movements. No, we need to also be responsible and disciple those that we've led to Jesus, where it's not just where we fly in and we fly out. We might get a selfie of us next to them, whatever, right? That has its place. But we need disciple-making, church-planting, Holy Spirit-empowered movements. And, and God is equipping not just your ministry, but other ministries around the world who've woken up and realize it's a long-term, lifelong strategy. So, Rob, thank you so much for being part of Adventures in Prophecy. If anybody wants more information uh, or they've got questions, what is the best way for them to get a hold of your ministry? I would uh, point them to our website. I, I think there's a lot there, and there's a lot of training materials there as well. And you can reach out to us through that as well. And that's for his glory men.org. That's F O R H I S G L O R Y M I N.org. So that's for his glory men.org. There's some really good training material on there. Uh, we're adding to our library on that end. There's some videos that give you more background on on the ministry and just what God's doing through For His Glory. And then you can contact us uh, through that as well. So I go to our website, forhisglorymen.org. We're also on Facebook, but I I think website's a good place to start. Awesome. Well, Rob, thank you so very much. You and I are going to debrief here real quick. But I want to give a shout out to anybody and everybody who watch now or even watch later or listening in to Adventures in the Spirit podcast. I bless all of you in Jesus' name. And thank you, Rob Welch, of For His Glory Ministries. Thanks for having me on. Do you want to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to commune with the wonderful Holy Spirit like never before? Your adventure with Him will grow tremendously as you go through our Fellowship with the Holy Spirit e-course. You can study the course at your own pace, on your time. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit will help you know the Holy Spirit more and encounter Him every day. You'll learn His names, His character, His fruit, His personality, and more. Go to FirebornMinistries.com to purchase this life-changing program and start connecting with Him today. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and Adventures in the Spirit. We hope that Adventures in the Spirit encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. Subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in the Spirit. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you trust and rely on. 
With one click, you and your team can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply quickly with suggestions based on your context and goals. More than 30 million people rely on Grammarly to help them with their writing today. From important emails to send, cover letters to submit, or presentations to finalize, you'll be amazed at what you can do with Grammarly. Go to grammarly.com slash podcast to download for free. That's grammarly.com slash podcast.